Christmas is kind of bittersweet for me because when I was a kid, my first time performing, I was six years old. And uh, I was performing in our Christmas pageant at church. And I had one line in one song. It was the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I messed it up. I sang, a child, a child, sleeping in the night with a tail as big as a kite. That's not the way that song goes, ladies and gentlemen. People get mad when you sing about baby Jesus with a tail. But think about that song, do you hear what I hear? It's psycho, who wrote that? Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. I think the shepherd boy's been in the field a little too long, don't you? <laughs> Talking to the sheep. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, we got to tell the mighty king. <laughs> Gets worse, they go to the mighty king. <laughs> a child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? How about some soup? Child shivered in the cold. Throw some gold on him, he'll be fine. <laughs> he's got pneumonia, but he's loaded. That kid is going to be some. I like the Christmas season. I don't know about you guys. There might be, you know, a couple Scrooges in here. Never quite sure uh, who we got in the room. But I like Christmas. I like the food at Christmas. Not all of it. I don't like the fruitcake stuff. But I like the food at Christmas. I like the music at Christmas. This is my first year with satellite radio. So there's that one channel that just keeps it rolling. No commercials. So I like the music. Um, I really enjoy the SNL Christmas skits. So when they, they play that one episode where it's just Christmas skits all the way through, I really like that stuff. Um, and I think some of what makes uh, the Christmas season enjoyable right now is for our family, it's pretty simple. It, it's me, it's Kathy, it's our two kids. They're a great age. Um, and, and they're kind of at the age where uh, the, we got our schedules figured out. N neither of them have any in-laws that we have to share them with. They're nine and 10 years old. And so that we, don't have to, we don't have that complication. Um, my family and Kathy's family, we kind of have a good rhythm with that where her family always does the Saturday before Christmas. My family is more of like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. 
So once we get through Thanksgiving, there's not really a lot to battle through when it comes to, you know, balancing family needs and things like that. Um, and really, like, like there's sports shut down, school shuts down. So for us, the season that our family's in now, Christmas is kind of, it's just nice. It's peaceful. Uh, it's very enjoyable for us. But at the same time, I think, I think that the peaceful years, the simple years, are magnified by the fact that not all years are like that, right? The, the occasional Christmas year, there's extra drama, there's extra stress, and that makes the peaceful years feel even better. So most of my life, my Christmas memories are very positive, but I do have a couple that I look back and I think, man, that was a weird year. That was really interesting. Uh, one in particular, uh, it was probably 12, 13 years ago. Um, we just had some interesting years with my sister. This year is kind of shaping up to be that kind of a year, but uh, 12, 13 years ago, she was late teens, early 20s. Uh, Kathy and I were in Grand Rapids at the time, and so we're kind of separated from some of the drama that was happening with my sister and my parents. But that particular Christmas, she was having yet another falling out with my parents. And when I say falling out with my parents, what I really mean is like a falling out with the world, where you spend time with her and you're like, why are you so angry? Like, what's the deal? There's nothing to be angry about. You're just crazy. Um, <laughs> And so it was just one of those Christmases where she was gone. Don't know where she was. Uh, there were just per, uh, periodic times, and I've talked about my sister before in here, but just periodic times where she would just be gone. And we were working really hard to just have her home at least for Christmas Day. And so Christmas Eve that year, um, our tradition has always been to be at my parents' church Christmas Eve, so I'm giving that up for you people, so I hope that you show up on Christmas Eve. Uh, no, we're, we're excited about Christmas Eve. No. Um, so that particular Christmas Eve, we were at my parents' church, and they were doing some type of a renovation project. So um, they're in the auditorium, and I, and I find myself standing behind the auditorium in this room. You know, it's, uh, you know, no drywall on the walls. There's cords hanging down, construction lights, um, kind of having it out with my sister on the phone. By the way, we have a room like that. We're working on kind of expanding our kids' area back into that part of the building. So if you just need to take a call and have it out with one of your family members, <laughs> step through that door and you'll be right where I was in that moment. So I'm, I, I'm talking to her and really I'm just trying to figure out like, what's your angle? Where are you coming from? What, what's your side of the story? Because I knew that there had been some drama, but you know, I'm on the other side of the state, so kind of absent from the details. And, and she's talking, you know, she's cussing at me and I'm using like the strongest Christian swear words I can think of and uh, just trying to meet her, you know, face to face. And, and uh, we're just back and forth. And, and the, I think the hardest thing about that moment was going into it, I thought, you know what, I'm going to come home. We're going we're to be fine. I'll talk to my sister. I can fix this, right? Like I'm, I'm big brother. We've always had a good relationship. I'm a youth pastor at that point. I'm thinking this is a teen thing. I got this figured out. We're going to smooth this all over and I'll be the hero. And so I think the hardest part about that moment was realizing, oh man, I cannot fix this. Realizing there was something bigger, something worse going on than I had realized with my sister. And it messed with Christmas, right? She, I don't think that she showed up the next day. And as I said, this year is kind of shaping up to be that kind of a year. Just the last few months are leading up to, I think, another Christmas without my sister. And so you have those Christmases, right, where it's a mess. I'm sure you guys have those stories. But as I said, it makes, you've got your peaceful Christmases, you've got your messed up Christmases, and, and sometimes there's drama, and because of that, when we talk about Christmas being the most wonderful time of year, I think that's true, but I think it has nothing to do with what's happening right now. 
It has nothing to do with the circumstances of any given Christmas year. Because this time of year, because we can't escape it, because we can't ignore it, because, because this time of year, you are forced back into close proximity with people you might not otherwise hang out with, except they share a last name, right? Or they share your wife's last name, and you got to deal with that. But because you're forced into tight quarters, you are all of a sudden reminded at this time of year that there are problems that you cannot solve. And there are people that you cannot control. And there are expectations, sometimes unspoken, that you have trouble meeting. And maybe for some of you, whether it's this year or other years, maybe this is the time of year where you realize you're the person that other people can't control. You're the person, you're the problem that other people can't solve. And maybe you're the one setting expectations that other people can't meet. And so there's some holiday seasons where you just wish that whatever was happening wasn't happening. And yet it's the most wonderful time of year. I think regardless of all that stuff, and hopefully I'm not digging up too much for you, right? Like, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> regardless of all that, it's still the most wonderful time of year because we're celebrating an event that literally stands at the center of history. And they've changed it. It's no longer BC and AD, right? It's BCE and CE, and CE, but it's still based on the birth of Jesus. It stands at the center of the human calendar. And it's an event that has the potential to stand at the center of our lives, to recenter our lives, to recenter an entire family tree. And the fact that Christmas isn't always what it could be, isn't always what it should be, the fact that we aren't always what we could be or should be, is exactly the reason why God sent his son, the light of the world, into the world. And so it's not the most wonderful time of year necessarily because of who is with us and what's happening any given moment. It's the most wonderful time of year because of who is for us and what has already happened. And so that's what we're going to get into over the course of this series, starting with today. Just kind of, in some ways, quick reminders as it ties into the, the holiday season and the light of the world. Um, but we start with the Gospels. Uh, if you're newer to church, if you're newer to Bible-type stuff, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them giving uh, a, their account of the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, and what they've seen, what they've heard. Um, and so Matthew and Luke start with the Christmas story. Luke is the most popular one. If you've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas, we all have. Um, that's the one that Linus reads from the stage. Uh, but then Mark and John kind of come at it from a different angle. They jump more right into the life of Christ. And John in particular starts in an interesting spot, and he's the one I want to talk about today. Um, because even aside from what he wrote, he's writing from a very unique perspective from all the other guys. He's writing as an old man, likely in his 80s or 90s. Believe it or not, the Gospel of John was the last book written of the New Testament. So this is John at the end of the first century, looking back not only on his life, but the time he spent with Jesus, the things that he's seen since Jesus has gone back to heaven. And he's probably shared these stories over and over and over again. He's that old great-great-grandpa, and you're like, yes, we know. You're that one in that painting who's leaning on Jesus. That's cool. Congratulations. Let's hear these stories again. So he's, he's been sharing these. He's been telling people the other gospels have been written. The rest of the New Testament is written. And John is thinking, you know what? I need to put some of this down. And so he's writing this with a chance to, with, with the perspective of an old wise man who's looking back on it all, He's lived and experienced his time with Jesus. He's lived and experienced the world and the craziness that has happened since, and he's looking back. And John, with that perspective, is the disciple who narrowed down the truth about God to the simple phrase, God is love. 
If you've ever heard someone say that or repeat that, that comes from John in one of his letters, 1 John uh, chapter 4. He said, God is love. And it's a very simple statement, but that's a pretty miraculous statement given the fact that John has experienced some crazy stuff. This is a guy who, in spite of hearing Jesus teach and make all his claims, watched Jesus die and stood at the foot of the cross and watched him go out in a very brutal way. This is a guy who, for a little while, lost all hope. And yet he, w- he raced with Peter to the empty tomb to see what was happening. This is a guy who, who was living through a brutal time in history for the Jewish people, his people, because he was witnessing the literal end of the Old Testament period. And it was happening at the hands of Rome. And we've talked about Rome before in past talks, but this is an empire, as you know, that was built on violence and slavery and oppression. And the, and the, uh, the Israelites were part of that. They had come and taken over that region. And, and what was happening is that over the course of the first century, kind of leading up to the first century and, and through it, um, Rome was in charge. Certainly their army wasn't to be messed with, but, but at different points, different Jewish leaders would rise up and lead rebellions. And then get the people excited, and then Rome would squash it. And then a few years would go by, there'd be peace, there'd be harmony, and someone else would rise up and lead a rebellion, and the Romans would squash it. And you'd kind of had this back and forth. And as we got towards about 70 AD, Rome decided they were sick of it. They were sick of the guerrilla tactics, they were sick of the uprisings. And so they showed up, started knocking on the doors of Jerusalem, and decided that it was done. And so they laid siege and they destroyed the city, they destroyed the temple, and over the course of that time, hundreds of thousands of people were killed and thousands more were enslaved. And what happened was total destruction, not just of a city, not just of buildings, but of a Jewish heritage that went back a couple thousand years. And John, through this time, likely lost a lot of family, likely lost a lot of friends. And, and forget, forget that battle in particular, even just thinking about people who were following Christ, John probably lost family and friends who were martyred for the gospel throughout this first century. And so he lived through as dark a time period for the Jewish people as they had ever experienced in their lives. And yet he still has the gumption to step up and write, God is love. He still took the time to reflect on this miserable century and write his gospel talking about Jesus. And what he does towards the end of John is lay out exactly why he did that. Here's why I'm writing this down. Here's why I'm telling you my experiences and what I've seen and heard. At the end of John chapter 20 in verse 31, John says this. He says, but these things are written. All of these stories that I've shared, all of my experiences, they're written down that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So instead of starting with the birth, which is a great story, instead of starting with the beginning, he starts with the why. He starts with with why it's so important. What are the implications? What's the significance? Because after all of these years, after all of the opportunities, all of the things that he had seen would potentially drive him to just say, forget it. If this Jesus thing was real, None of this would be happening. If this Jesus thing was legit, why is history playing out this way? No, in spite of the first century, John still believed and he wrote the things down because he wanted us to believe too. See, John knew how dark it was there at the end of the first century, but he also knew how dark it was when Jesus showed up. And so he skipped the baby part and he went right to the truth based on what he had seen and what he had heard and what he had experienced. So we'll go back to the beginning of John and see how he he kicks things off. 
You've got the, the famous verse that we've talked about before. We'll get there again in the future. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But jump down to verse 4. In Him, in Jesus, in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In Him was life. We're not talking about life like we all have life. We're not talking about life like everybody's alive. It was bigger than that. There was something different. There was something bigger and stronger and more uncontainable. And what John was seeing, that in a world full of darkness and death... In Jesus, he saw life. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In that little baby, in that man who grew up as Jesus, there was something powerful enough to break through even the darkest of darkness. And the best way that John knew to describe it was to look at Jesus and say, you know what? This isn't just a Jewish thing. This isn't just some regional Middle Eastern Mediterranean thing. Jesus was the light, the light of the entire world. And then he gets right back to it in the next verse. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. No, there's no baby Jesus stuff here. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, in spite of everything that he had seen, in spite of everything that he had lost in that first century, in spite of the darkness he was living in, and even bigger than that, the darkness that was covering the known world at that point, he concluded that that darkness couldn't put a dent in the light that he had experienced. See, Caesars were coming and going, rising to power with violence, wreaking havoc on the world, fading away only so that someone else could rise up in their place. The temple was destroyed. Thousands were killed. The known world's in chaos. But John, watching it all unfold, reflects back on it all as an old man and says, that light that began so small in Bethlehem was and is the light of the world. And in the end, that light, that life, no matter what darkness you may be experiencing, whatever darkness the world may have or is experiencing, that light will win. And so what makes this the most wonderful time on earth isn't, isn't because of who you're with or what's happening at any, any given moment. Because we already talked about some of your Christmases are messed up. You're with people who are messed up. You're in search of situations that are messed up. There's stress, there's drama. So it can't be just about whatever is happening in the moment, but it's the most wonderful time of year because of what already happened when God sent his son Jesus into the world and what can happen if you'll put your trust in him. So at Christmas, as, as some of us are experiencing the complication and the unmet expectations, as some of us are missing loved ones, as some of us are interacting with loved ones who remind us of those that we're missing, as, as, as we're reminded at times of some of the darkness in the world, some of the darkness in our own lives, when, when getting some of what we want simply reminds us of things that we know we'll never get. Put your hope put your trust in the hands of someone who can actually live up to your expectations, someone who can handle your needs, handle your wants, handle your desires, handle the drama. Put your hope and your trust in the hands of Jesus. For some of us, this Christmas, Christmas will be easy, right? Piece of cake. It'll be simple. Your life is simple. Your family is simple. Your expectations are simple. But for the rest of us, 
for some years, it's just an annual reminder of some of that darkness that we have to live through. But we can be reminded in the midst of that, that there is a light that penetrates the darkest of dark. And Jesus is that light. He is that life that overcomes it all. And it's in him that we find hope and rest and peace. And that's Christmas stuff, right? But do you think that Christmas is about peace, hope, and love because of humans? No. There's no peace, hope, and love at Christmas because of anything that people are doing. I know people. I know me. I know you. And you guys are messed up. (laughs) And so Christmas isn't peace, hope, and love and happiness because of you or because of me. It's peace, hope, and love because of Jesus and the light that he brought into the world. Anything else isn't going to offer it. You're not going to find it in the stuff or in the people or in the experiences or anything else. It's got to be in him that we find those things. And so I see a lot of familiar faces, some newer faces, whether I know you or I don't. I don't know your heart. Only you do, and only God does. And so this time at Christmas, maybe this is the Christmas when you, for the first time, need to forget about the traditions, forget about what grandma believed, forget about what mom and dad are making you do, and just really zero in Have I turned myself over to the light of the world? Have I allowed him to come in and give me that new life, that fullness of life that only he can bring? And it's as simple as simply recognizing and believing and admitting that Jesus is God and he did come into the world. He did live a perfect life and he did, as a perfect sacrifice, die for me so that my darkness could be cleaned up, so that I could be forgiven of my mess. And so I want to take an opportunity this morning because if you walk out of here without Jesus, then you walk out into the darkness again. And so do me a favor and let's bow our head and close our eyes. And there's nothing, nothing magical about closing our eyes or bowing our heads. It simply gives us a chance to focus on, on the one we want to focus on. And in this moment, I wonder if there's anyone here who's never fully entrusted themselves into the hands of Jesus. And if that's you, As I pray, just make these words your own. Say, God, I've tried every other way. I've tried religion. I've tried tradition. I've tried fun. I've tried stuff. I've tried people. God, none of those things are filling me with light. None of them are giving me life. God, I feel like I'm stuck in darkness. But God, I believe. I believe that Jesus came and died for me and I give you my life now. Free me from darkness. Fill me with light. Give me the full life that you came to promise. And from this day forward, help me to love you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the greatest decision you could possibly make. And so here's the thing. If you made that decision today or if there's any other stuff that you're just wrestling with, if you've got things that you'd love people to pray for, if there's questions that you have, if you're stepping into some weird stuff this holiday, we'd love to come alongside you, whether that's a simple prayer or uh, resources that we can give you. We'd, We'd love to help you take step two, step three, step four in whatever journey that you're on. So let us know. As you came in, you got a program and there's a connection card in there. Fill that out. There's a black box back on the info center table. If you didn't get one, there are some cards back on the table as well. Just let us know who you are, what you're working through, what decision you made, because we want to come alongside you in that. Because here's the thing, it's not just people taking that first step, right? Some of us here, 
we're already following Jesus in some way or we're stuck in limbo somewhere. And I want to challenge you guys, get some more of that light. Get some more of that life. Because when things are great, we just kind of go with the flow. We do our own thing. We fill our lives with anything except the light and the life of Jesus. Yeah, you know him, but you're not experiencing the fullness of what he came to offer. If you're not filled with that light, you're leaving room for the darkness. And so whatever you need to add this Christmas season, whatever you need to cut, whatever you need to change, do it. Chase that light. Chase the life that he offers. What are the darkest spots in your life? Those spots can experience light. What are the deadest spots in your life? Those spots can experience new life. If we'll chase after the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And again, we thank you for this time together. And uh, as we go out from here, God, may we not leave this truth in this room. God, may we not leave you behind as just something to be experienced for one hour on a Sunday morning. God, as we go out of here, reveal to us the areas of our lives that need to be given over to you. And God, if there's anyone here who has yet to give their life fully to you, Father, I pray that you would continue to soften their heart, continue to mess with them in the best possible way, and draw them to yourself this Christmas season, God. God, fill this place with your light, fill each person with your light, and may those we come in contact with see it and long for it themselves. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.